Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Owning a salon is a balancing act for sure. Not only do we have our businesses to nurture, We have a team to lead, a family to prioritize, a social life to remember, all whilst trying not to forget about ourselves too. And then you throw in motherhood into the mix and suddenly it's a whole new ballgame. I know what it's like. I had two children throughout my time as a salon owner, 14 babies in four years my salon coped with, and suddenly it's imperative that you actually take time out of the business to spend with your growing family. And then there's this guilt that you begin to feel no matter where you are and where you spend your time. And if you're with your family, you feel guilty about being away from your team. If you're with your team and supporting them, then you feel like you're missing out on valuable time and guilt about the time that you're not spending with your family. It can be such a tricky transition, even when you have nine months to prepare for this, right? That's why I want you to meet Shelley. Now, Shelley is the uber successful owner of Urban Betty. Uh, She has been on this podcast before and we're following her story. It's a thriving salon which will soon open its third location in Texas, USA. In this episode, Shelly's going to share her journey to success with a special focus on her most recent adventure, motherhood. Now, while most of us have eight or nine months to prepare for this uh, exciting, crazy adventure, and I know that we still don't feel ready, right? But Shelly found out that she was going to be a mum with three days notice. So tune in, hear Shelly's incredible story to success and how she juggles motherhood and salon ownership like a boss. Hashtag boss. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. Let's chat to Shelly. Shelly, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective podcast yet again. Thank you for having me, Matt. I'm excited to be here. Well, uh, it's a reoccurring event uh, these days. So let's start for those that don't know who you are. Who are you? Where are you in the world? And what do you do? Uh, I am Shelly Neff. I am the founder of Urban Betty. I am in Austin, Texas, uh, in the good old USA. And um, Austin is very different than the rest of Texas. So no judgments, please. We are the one blue dot in a red state. (laughs) (laughs) I know not everyone's loving Texas right now. So I kind of like to set that first. Um, Anyways, um, and I am actually fifth generation from Texas. So I love Texans. I love Texas. There are actually a lot of amazing people here. And uh, I started my journey in the beauty industry, believe it or not, in 1993. I did cosmetology in high school. So I was fully licensed in 1995. Uh, First job was at a Supercuts. And I worked my way up through the ranks and um, from commission salon to booth rental salon to opening my own salon. And I opened Urban Betty in 2005. Um, Betty is my real name. It's Betty Michelle Neff. I'm named after my grandma, who is Betty Davis. So that's where that all stemmed from. And when I opened um, originally, 
I was in a space with only six chairs. I had one contractor working for me. I was doing the booth rental model and it took me a couple, no, about six months before I had my first employee, which was an assistant and it, things just kept growing. And I quickly learned that I really wasn't making any money doing the booth rental model. I feel like that I've heard, I don't know for sure that only works if you're like running like a salon lofts type situation where you have like 60 chairs or whatnot. So I, I switched to all commission and that happened in uh, 2011 and we upgraded to a space that was 16 chairs. It's now 24 chairs. We're expanding mm -hmm. that space. We got um, a call from our landlord that the space next door, which is 700 square feet, that facialist, she had retired. So we're taking over that space. So we're soon to have 30 chairs in our original shopping center. That's our second location in that shopping center because we moved and upgraded. It's, it's crazy. And then in 2019, I opened my second location and it is only six chairs there because it, I, it's a smaller location. We purchased the 1500 square foot space. Most recently, as of two weeks ago, we closed on our third location, which is in Round Rock, Texas. It's about 30 minutes north of Austin. We call it uh, South Dallas as a joke, but um, <laughs> it is very exciting. It is 2,800 square feet. So I'm hoping to have, we'll see what the designer draws up, 15 to 20 chairs there and possibly, which would be new for me, a boutique. Um, I have been looking a lot into increasing my profit margins and boutiques seem to do well. So that's uh, a lot of stuff on my plate right now. Um, but most importantly, uh, in February, I became a mom. My husband and I had been trying to get pregnant since we got married in 2014. And we, you know, we're older, had a few issues. So we got ourselves on an adoption list. And in February, we got a call that there was a baby boy at the hospital and I might get emotional talking about it. Um, we had three days notice and he came into our house. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it was the week after the crazy snow ice storm here in Austin, where we had like no electricity for three days. So I'm so thankful that we did not get him that week, but the week after, and he turned seven months this month, uh, September 22nd. And I fall in love with him more every day. And, you know, I made it work with only three days notice and being a business owner. And it was, uh, it was a testament for sure <laughs> to my staff and how amazing they are. That so there just, it is. <laughs> that blows my mind. I, yeah. I love that. I feel like we've been on this journey for you with you uh, since 2017. And yeah. uh, every time there's always something really big and exciting happening in your life. And so yeah. thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. I thank love and you. adore it. I want to talk about um, uh, bringing bringing up children and, mm -hmm. and running a business. And I think this yeah. is a real paradox for most women who want to have a career, have um, a business, but also want to be a mum. And I think it's really tough, the things that we have to compromise and the things that we have mm -hmm. to juggle. And I think uh, we learn to be superwoman, actually. Oh, when we think yeah. about <laughs> the the number of the sheer number of things going on in our mind at any given moment to deal with all of that and now you have this extra um addition of three days notice like most women get you know nine or by the time you find out eight months eight yeah. months notice they made some sort of exit strategy for their 
business or work or whatever. For sure. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah. um, I mean, obviously, uh, to be on the list you're on the list for a long time but it's not a given is it it it's it's interesting because what they tell you when you get on the list is you know it's an open adoption it's local so we we essentially have to get picked by a mother and so they say everyone that goes through this agency you always ends up getting matched with someone but they can't tell you when mm. So that's the thing. And the pandemic slowed everything down. I think everybody was in their home. So it's not, it kind of slowed everything down. So a year and a half, they usually say it can take up to a year. And we knew where we were at on the list. I mean, it was, it's, it's, it's called Adoption Advocates of Austin and they're amazing. And, um, but they did warn us that, you know, you could be matched with a potential mom and she's four months pregnant and you go through the pregnancy with her and you know, or you can get a call from the hospital, which is what happened to us, that there's been a surrender. And so get a room ready. So we, we moved into our home during the pandemic, which wasn't stressful at all into a new home in our neighborhood. <laughs> we had already like closed on the loan in March, like the week after everything got crazy. And then I was like, Oh, great. Now my business has to shut down for two months. And I just closed Shoot. on a new home. Um, so it was funny when we were taking people on tours of our house, I was like, well, and here's a baby's room with the crib and this. And they were like, what? I'm like, well, we're on a list and we could get a call. And that's what happened. And uh, I'm thankful that they told us to do all that because we at least mm. had that part of it worked out. But I tell you the crazy story. I'm a big believer in law of attraction. I know that some people just go, oh gosh, but manifesting all of that spirit source, whatever. If this baby had come to me in 2014, I wouldn't have been ready for it. I would have still been doing hair. I would have still been trying to manage this and the growth of the business. And the one thing I kept hearing resounding in my head after every failed IVF treatment, we even tried to do a surrogacy. I tried literally all of the things is God knows when the time is right for you. And I can honestly say that he did because I, it's very crazy. So I was getting all these headaches last, they started last November. And I kept hearing, like, I need to take time off work. And I was like, oh, I just don't know when I'm going to do that. So I finally went, you know what? I'm going to take a one month sabbatical. And I'm literally going to pretend that I don't have anything to do with my salon. Like, I'm going to put everything in everyone else's hands. And do you know, I started that, it was like that Tuesday, <laughs> that week of the ice storm, I swear. That following week, I got a call that the baby was ready for me. So if you, I don't know, but it's literally the minute I released in my heart, feeling any sort of responsibility for everything that I needed to do and just concentrated on myself. God was like, here you go. You're ready. And I can get emotional about that, but that's, and I took three months off and do you know, my salon did better. This is very humbling than it's ever freaking done. And I was like, oh, the minute yeah. I get out of the way, it's like, here you go. And I think it's a testament a to the management that I've hired, the staff that I've hired, the systems that we have in place, because without all of that, it would have never been possible. And it did better without me. And they're like, oh, don't say that we need you. And I'm like, no, I say that as a compliment. Like that has always been my goal is to create something that becomes more of a passive income. And I mean, it's worked out. It's been great. <laughs> so hopefully I, I loved, yes, I love to hear that. I love to hear the timing. Uh, I love to hear uh, that they did better without you. This was my experience too. When I was home with my second baby, that was our, 
uh, highest income, best, most profitable year when I sat home with my baby and I thought, <laughs> scratched my head and I thought, well, this is interesting. But yes. I think when you do the work and you put the right systems and processes in place, that's exactly what can happen. And I even know in my business now, sometimes I just have to get out the hell of the way because I make it more complicated. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm great at starting things, but don't, but don't run the things. <laughs> right. Right. Let the right people do that. And then that's when the magic happens. Yeah. And I um, think a lot of the people working around me, they want to, they want to wait and get my approval, or I'm not sure, should I do this? And when I, they kind of had that power and I mm -hmm. empowered them and they took the ball and they went with it. It, it was amazing. Highest RTS, all of that. And I also say, that being at home with a baby was a thousand times harder than being yes. my regular job. And in that short amount of time, I called my mother and thanked her profusely and just wanted to, to every mom out there and to every woman who stays at home full time, oh my God, like I'll get emotional too. You are doing amazing things that are not easy. And I, I was like, I couldn't wait to get back to work because I was like, I'm not cut out for this. <laughs> Give me, let me manage 70 people any day. This infant is infinitely harder than that. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on having him in your life. I'm so pleased for you. Thank you. Well, let's, you mentioned uh, uh, COVID, business being shut, right on buying a house. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about what's the COVID journey been for you? Yeah, we were pretty much closed all of, I believe, April and May in 2020. It feels like a lifetime ago. Mm. And I just had this resonance inside of me that I, I can't freak out because that's not going to do good for anyone. You know, you can have freak outs here and there. You're human. However, I just thought, well, let me take this time to really focus on all the financials of what it takes to run my business and what my fixed costs are. Cause I had loosely sat down and done that, but I'd never really forensically looked at all my accounting. And when you're in a space of, I need to figure out what my fixed costs are and what it's going to cost me to run this business and how much money I actually have set aside, um, that was very eye-awakening. And even though I've, you know, been, I've had financial companies help me, all that, no one's ever going to look at it as strongly as you do. And when I looked at all that, I kind of figured out what my fixed costs were. I thought they were, but I went through six years that it took me to build up my business savings. I went through that in two, that two months. Like I, it, it was all spent. And I asked all my employees to file for unemployment. I even filed for unemployment. I didn't take a paycheck because I'm like, if they're not taking a paycheck, I'm not taking a paycheck. That's not fair. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very, very thankful for the PPP loans. That made a huge difference. Um, we would have survived without them, but it would have been very much by the skin of our teeth. And I tell people if I had not brought on, we are a summit salon. So if I had not brought on those systems in 2014, if this had happened in 2014, I would be out of business. We were literally barely making it week to week. And so I'm very thankful for that. But I, I really got into the nitty gritty of what it costs me to run my business, all the things I needed to streamline. And it's also very interesting because I had just started reading the book Profit First, which teaches you how to set aside your profit, leave it alone, don't even look at it, and then get creative with the way you can spend the rest of your money. And I was doing that. So it all kind of worked out. And um I launched that very, very 
gently uh, for my salon company, and it made a huge difference as difference as well on, on why we were able to stay open. Yeah, amazing. And what about subsequently uh, over the uh, subsequent year or, or over mm -hmm. a year now? Um, yeah. What's that been like in terms of your environment and uh, the relationship with clients? And yeah. uh, I, I mean, I know for here in Australia and New Zealand, we're in and out of lockdowns periodically. Yeah. It's yeah. just part of life now. Yeah. What's it like in Texas? Well, you know, Texas likes to be open. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> while I, I get why some places need to close, I also get like why it can close the economy down. And, and if they would have kept made us or kept us closed, we wouldn't have been able to remain open. I feel like that. So I am thankful for that. Um, we, and we had, you know, this limits on how many people could be in your salon. So we started, we took our hours, seven, we're open seven days a week. We were open like nine to six on Sundays. Well, we took our hours and we opened at 8.30 a.m. We closed at 9 p.m., seven days a week. And we looked at like, nobody cared none of the guests cared. Actually, the stylists were like, cool, I'd rather wait, work late on a Sunday or this and that. It, and our productivity went up and we were utilizing every other station and spreading people apart and doing, you know, it, we were doing all these things with less people and, le and, and we were making more money. It was just crazy to me. So we figured out a way and I thought, well, if I can make more money on less people in the salon, less guests, less stylists. Like this is a wake up call for me too on how to better run things once we can get everybody in the door. And we double shifted all of our chairs too. That was another thing. We just finally ripped off the bandaid. We had been doing, you know, some people letting them still have mid shifts like to 11 to seven and no, you either work 8.30 to 2.30 now or three to nine. And that way we can get two people every day in each chair and, you know, have it at its fullest potential. So those were some of the things too that we just figured out and we've kept. And we <laughs> we started a service charge. A lot of people are doing salon scale, which I've heard great things about. Um, and I want to eventually potentially do that. Um, that's another thing where I get a little freaked out about like charging clients per how much color usage you have. If you look it up, if you haven't, I don't wanna talk about it here because I don't know the exact details on it. And I don't wanna say anything that's incorrect. So we did our own version of that. We do a service charge and it's anywhere from five to $25 based on how much your services were. So say your haircut was 81. It's like, if it's zero to $81, it's $5. If 81 to 150, it's $10. And restaurants have been doing this forever. And nobody says anything, but of course, you know, we get a little bit of flashback, not a lot. And we pay our stylists retail commission on that based on their RTS. So that did increase our revenue because we're already having to pay for PPE, extra cleaning, um, and extra, just all this extra stuff around the salon that, you know, people don't think about that aren't in the industry or running a business. And our stylists are still, even though we <laughs> were closed for two months, everyone, we have group health insurance, which is a, a rarity in our industry, unfortunately. And so I'm having to still pay for that. I'm still having to pay for people's health insurance and pay for the full amount instead of just the half. Because if they're not working, I'm paying for the full amount. So all of those things, I just started charging a service charge. And I think once people got used to it, they were fine. It's like any change you make, it's always like kind of crazy at first. And you'll get a couple of people that are upset about it. And we would just be like, hey, we're not going to charge you this time. We'll charge you next. 
And those were the things like, I'm just throwing out a ton of stuff here, but those all made small, significant differences to move us ahead. Mm-hmm. And uh, blow apart traditional thinking, right? Actually an opportunity yeah. to try some new things and experiment yeah. uh, and improve for the better. Keep what worked and uh, yes. let go what doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And requiring yeah. credit cards because this was our final like way we can be like, sorry, it's going to be touchless now. We have to have your credit card because I don't know why everyone when they call salons don't want to leave a credit card number, but literally you put your credit card number in all day long everywhere, calling your doctor's office booking a hotel online. It's like, why were people so resistant around salons? I don't know. But this was our final like, nope, sorry, you don't have a credit card number. You can't book the appointment or if, you know, whatever. And that made a huge difference too. And I think that helped with our no-shows. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yep. Yep. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry. We're going to get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you, listen up. You have a team, you love your team, but you're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have, increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well, it's totally possible and I want to help you. And I want to help you do it with ease, in a classy way. No hard and dirty sales tricks here. Ways to serve your clients, make more, because everybody wins. The team, the client, and of course, you, the business owner. Now, if you want to find out more, just DM me uh, and let's chat. I'll make a plan for you. I'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode. All right, let's get back to the episode. All right, let's uh, switch gear a little bit and talk about uh, the decision to and the process of location number three. So first of all, (laughs) what what was the inspiration or where is the drive to do that come from? I'm not a person who sits still easily. Sometimes I wish I was because (laughs) I might not feel so restless like when I'm in between projects. I just had the the want inside of me, I feel like we start maxing out both locations and we're getting close to, okay, we don't have room for more people. And I thought, well, if we don't have room for more people, they, you know, they say when you're at 75% capacity, it's time to start looking for a new location. And we were at 75% capacity. So I was in absolutely no rush. Uh, I was Mm -hmm. like, I had told my broker, like, at the tail end of like December of 2020, like reach out to me in January. Or no, that was probably during the pandemic. I said, reach out to me after January. He reached out, <laughs> I said, reach back out. Then he reached out to me. I was like, no, there's a baby now. Let's check back in June. And so June, I was like, let's just go look for fun. And we were looking at spaces and I picked Round Rock because city of Austin has been such a nightmare with permitting. It can take God, a year to two years sometimes just to get something finished because they're permitting every single little crazy thing, which is wild to me. So I was like, let's go to Round Rock. I hear it's so much easier. And I have several stylists that already live there that want to go work in Round Rock. So that just seemed like the way to go. And I was like, I don't know. And he showed me some shopping centers and they really weren't fitting my vibe. I like more eclectic shopping centers that are 
all local businesses um, and just aren't like a bunch of cookie cutter places inside there. Mm. Uh, so I, it's funny. And then I had a talk with my coach and I was like, well, we went to look at some places. I really wasn't blown away. And he's like, are you looking at places to rent or buy? And I went rent. And he was like, why are you not buying a location? I went, oh yeah. Like even after all these years, I go and sometimes go into that poverty mentality. When we purchased our second location, I still went into that. Oh, I can't, I can't do that. And I said, and I said, well, why am I doing that? Let me, cause it, it can never hurt to ask. You'll be amazed. And I thought, okay, let me reach out back out to my broker. And I go, here's what we're doing now. I don't like any of the places you've shown me that are for rent. Let's look, go look at some places that are that have an option to purchase, and because it is easier in the surrounding cities versus inside Austin. Everything in Austin is more rental. So he's he showed me a few places, and some it was yeah, you know right away usually when it's a no. But he showed me this one space, and I was like, this is for sale, twenty eight hundred square feet. It's in my price range, and he said yeah, and I thought okay, let's do it, and. Um, it's my first time ever doing like an SBA loan. And that was a very intense process, but very cool. And uh, I figured out a lot of stuff along that way. Cause every time you turn around, they want another piece of information <laughs> and you really have to get into all the logistics of your business and how you're doing it and what your five-year goals are. And uh, we got approved to do that. And so again, there are no mistakes, but it's just, everything kept falling into place. And I kept just taking the next step and just saying, let's see, but not putting pressure on myself to make a final decision in that moment. Because I feel like whenever I get rushed or just go, let's just pick that, let's just go with it. It's, I can feel that regret immediately. And so I'd rather wait and get something I want than feel this need and this push to just settle for something that's like half meets half of all of my expectations. I think uh, those are wise words. Do you know, um, I'm sure all of us can think of some times or some events or actions that we did that we knew was not right, but we went ahead and did it anyway. Mm -hmm. Why do we do this? I was just having a conversation with my parents about this. It's like there's something in you in the back of your head that you kind of know is there, yeah. but you're choosing not to look at it. Yeah. And uh, And you push ahead anyway, whether it's, uh, excitement or um, you want something more than it like you say you're, you're forcing a little bit and I think when we right. surrender to not forcing it pay attention to that um, sometimes it means we have to wait a little bit longer but mm -hmm. always for the right reason always worth it yeah that's uh, when you say that I'm like yeah I learned that with my first marriage so. <laughs> <laughs> there we go see we all Don't have settle. a story <laughs> yes. we all have a story yes for oh sure. for sure yeah <laughs> all right so what's the uh progress on salon three when do you think you'll be open oh my gosh uh that is the million dollar question so Indeed. right now it's a brand new building so it literally does not even have electricity it's got it's it's the shopping center's built and uh, it sat on the market for a year because of covid so mm. it's got all the wood be i mean it's the most clean naked space you've ever seen which is exciting because um it's just got the the um what's the word I'm looking for? It's just got the plumbing and the floor, even no electricity. So we can put stuff wherever we want. It's not like already predestined. We're not coming into a space that's already been built out or was right. this before or that before. So we've got a ton of creativity. And so I'm meeting, it. it I working with a designer and it can take her anywhere from six to eight weeks to draw up the plans. And so 
in two weeks, she should have the plans. And then once we go over the plans and I'm like, okay, this looks good. We then have get two to three bids from contractors. And then we go with who is the most affordable usually. And then from that process, they can tell us, you know, they always tell me, oh, I can get this job rocked down in a month, two months. And I'm like, six months, eight uh-huh. months, <laughs> you know, so you just don't know. My ultimate goal would be spring 2022. However, it could be as late as summer, because especially right now, you don't know how long it's going to take to get certain things in, to get certain people to, that are able to work on the job. I, I know COVID is still impacting everything. And so this is where I have to get into being very patient. And what's cool is with my SBA loan, so I'm doing a thing that they call a bridge loan. So I got a conventional loan to begin with, and then I'm going to transfer it over to an SBA loan or refinance it. So I have six months interest only. So what's nice about that is I can just pay interest on this space for the first six months. So it's not like taking this huge chunk out of my you know, expenses. And then I'm going to, once I get the quote from my designer and contractors on how much the equipment and the build out is going to cost, I can roll that into the SBA loan and have it all taken care of. And then one year when I actually sell Urban Betty or whatever, I know I like, I'm going to put that out there. If you're looking to invest or buy a salon (laughs) (laughs) in a few years, I can still own that real estate and just be the landlord. And it still provides an income to me. So that's why I would tell people always look at buying versus renting. If you're, if you can, that wasn't available to me a long time ago when I first opened when I was 27. And even if it had been available, there's no way I could have gotten approved for a loan. I just made it work. But right now the space I'm in, it's just the same as when your parents tell you not to rent an apartment, but buy a house. Well, when you're opening more salons, if you have that opportunity, go for it. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Yeah. All right. There's been a lot going on. Um, (laughs) if, uh, what has been the one big lesson over the last, I'm going to say 18 months since we spoke last to pull all of these things together to, uh, survive becoming a mother, um, survive a lockdown, opening a new salon. I know you've got a product line, um, uh, on the bubble, to be able to have your finger in lots of pies, what is what has been what's the one piece of advice that you give to somebody? What's the magic? What's the reason that you've been able to do this? What would you say? Hiring good people, hiring someone and teaching them to do all the things that you do. Do not put all that pressure on yourself. Do not be the only person that can do your banking, do your QuickBooks, do your this. I know it's scary to trust certain people, but you've got to get people like you've got to get a right-hand man that you trust to be you and to do all the things that you're doing. And the easiest way I was able to do that and it clicked for me, like I thought I'm gonna have to be there and teach her everything, make videos in Google Drive. I'm like, here's me logging into this. Here's the login. Here's me moving it around. And here's me doing all the transfers from the bank. Or here's me looking up a PL on QuickBooks and I did a screen capture. I used QuickTime on my computer and I'm able to save all these videos and she can go back to them anytime and rewatch them if she has a question or needs or forgets how to do something. That was like pfft, mind blown. I can teach someone via the internet, via Zoom, whatever. Like that's been a huge thing too. Like I, I don't have to be in the salon. Oh my God, what a mind blowing experience. So get someone that's just as good at you that you can delegate, learn to trust. Because if I had not done that, it would have been 
I don't know, I would have not <laughs> done well with the first three yeah. months of staying at home. Yeah. I think that word trust is really important. And I think it's actually a two-way, it's mm-hmm. a two-way word. Like I think yeah. often we, uh, we forget that and we expect the other person to be trustworthy mm-hmm. or show us that they're trustworthy, mm-hmm. but actually we need to step in with faith and trust first, because when you trust, yeah. you get trust back. It's yep. earned yeah. uh, both sides of the coin, I think. Would you agree? Oh, I agree a hundred percent. That is, yeah. that's uh, years of therapy helped teach me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think as an owner, sometimes we wait for the right person to be perfect um, we before we, before we trust them enough to delegate and grow and, and, um, and pass things on. And that actually yeah. holds us back. Yeah, it can. And believe me, most of the people I've taught things or trained things or shown them my way, they usually come up with a better way. And you've got to get your ego out of it. You've got to get the only I can do it and only I can do it right. Or I'm scared if I don't know how to do everything that I seem dumb. Do you go into Target and ask for the owner of Target and expect them to check you out and know how to bring you out? No. So I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to equate myself to a store like that. I'm not, I don't go into Nordstrom and ask for, can the owner check me out? Because there was a, believe me, there was a part of my ego that was like, I should know how to do everything. There's no way you can physically know how to do everything, especially if you're still behind the chair. That's, that's crazy. So, yeah. You heard it, you heard it right here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, As we wrap up, what is, what would be an updated, a current quote or mantra or something that's keeping you sane over these last, uh, this recent year? Yeah. Always, always my favorite quote is how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. If you look at the whole big picture, if I had looked at where I'm at now, when I was 27, I would have collapsed on the floor and fainted. Um, just taking little small steps forward, sending an email. I mean, things that are tiny can really make a huge jump or leap down the line. And so just, just eat that elephant one bite at a time. Wise words. Uh, (laughs) What about a book or a podcast or something that you've uh, enjoyed recently that all salon owners should get their hands on? I'm in the middle of tribal leadership and um, it's amazing to me because it goes through all the phases we are in our life. And it basically, to me, it, it equates your leadership to your emotional maturity. And uh, it is, it's a very humbling book to read too, because you're like, I've learned all the things, I know what I'm doing. And then you start reading it, you're like, ooh, I'm guilty. Ooh, I'm guilty of that. And it's very, it's very, it, it eloquently teaches you how to be a leader within your company, but to make everyone feel on the same level as you. And I think that's the problem and what I've struggled with in the past is just coming in, not looking at people, not asking them how they're doing and just getting right to work. And while I'm not perfect and I never will be, but, you know, including those around you, every single person looking in them in the eyes, telling them hello, asking them about their life, their kids, treating everyone else as an equal human. I think that's very important. And this is, you know, I'm only halfway through the book, um, but it's already blown me away. Nice. All right. We'll make sure that we have a link to both both of those yes. book recommendations you've mentioned yes. today uh, on the show notes of this podcast. Shelley, thank you so much again for sharing your world thank with you, us Larissa. and the journey that you're on. Uh, it's yes. been truly amazing. And congratulations on all of your success and, be- and especially becoming a mother. Thank you. 
And that's a wrap, Shelley. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, everything that Shelley talks about resonates so much with me and the message that I often share with you guys listening. As salon owners, we truly are superwomen, right? We have so many hats to wear, so many different roles to juggle. We really should give ourselves a big fat pat on the back more often. So I want to know what was your number one takeaway from this episode? Come and let me know in the Profitable and Successful Salon Owners Facebook group. It's a free group for like-minded salon CEOs just like you to ask questions, share advice, gain access to some of my pretty kick-ass salon resources, if I may say so myself. <laughs> I'm going to leave the link to the show, uh, the link to the group in the show notes of this episode. So go check it out and I shall see you there. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.